0: today my name is mike hopkins i'm the minister here at 17th street christian church in corbin kentucky and i hope you had a wonderful easter weekend this past week hopefully you were able to spend some time with your family and take a break from the easter eggs and the deviled eggs and talk a little bit about jesus and celebrate him and worship him as we celebrate the resurrection of jesus this past week but hey if you didn't it's okay It's because there's grace. So I invite you to listen along today from this past weekend's Easter service. Uh, This message today kind of takes Easter from a little bit of a different perspective. We really don't talk a whole lot about Sunday, which I know that may sound strange, but today's conversation really focuses a lot more on Saturday. You know, the disciples, they've just lost their leader. They just lost their king they lost this they've lost the guy that they've followed and they worshiped the one they've kind of put all their life and trust into and now they just had to watch him die a horrific death be tortured and are now no longer with him physically. Imagine being the disciples' shoes during this time of loss, this time of maybe anxiety, even a time of doubt. I think we go through these similar seasons in our own lives. We go through seasons of doubt, seasons of pain, seasons of loss, and the question is, how do we respond? Because if we fast forward to the end of the story, Jesus does return. He has resurrected. He's conquered death, and we need to remember that whenever we are in our everyday struggles and our seasons of pain and loss as well, that we will have victory so hey thank you again for joining today we'd love to see you in person come visit us one sunday morning our worship services are at 11 o'clock every sunday morning go to our website at www.17scc.com you can look up more about the church and even watch some of our services there and if you enjoy this message i please ask that you tell a friend and share this with a friend that way it can be impacted thank you so much for listening Hey, it is a good morning, just in case you didn't know. But good morning again, everybody. Welcome to 17th Street Christian Church. I'm so happy to see every single one of you here today. If I didn't get to meet you coming in, if you're visiting with us or if you're watching online for the first time, my name's Mike. I'm the minister here, and I'm excited to be with you guys today. But really quickly, before we do anything else, before we jump into today's conversation that I'm excited about, before we do anything, Um, I I was able to see uh, when when Judy Roslow was coming in uh, the door um, just a little bit ago um, as you know many of you know Ron had passed away just a week or two ago and uh, Judy wanted to make sure that I let everyone know thank you so much for the prayers the calls the visits the food all everything that you did she extends her thank you and she's very much thankful for this church and for your friendship so on behalf of her thank you and the family okay Um, But today is an exciting day. It's Easter, in case you didn't know, in case anyone's wondering whether there's a theme that's in the music. I don't know if you caught it or not. If you didn't, it's wake up, it's time time today. And today is Easter, today is the conclusion of Holy Week, it's the conclusion of Passion Week, it's a beautiful day. And last week we kicked it off on one of my favorite Sundays of the year, if you can't tell from last week. I love Palm Sunday. Last week was Palm Sunday. It's the day where we celebrated the beginning, the kickoff of Holy Week. When Jesus, he came into the town of Jerusalem riding on the donkey. It was supposed to be a glorious day, a day of celebration, a day that fulfilled prophecy, a day where the king is here. It's supposed to be an awesome, exciting day. And it was for some. But as we talked about last week, if you were here, you know, the Pharisees and the leaders in the Jewish area, and, and they, they didn't celebrate that day because their power was threatened. It went against their tradition. They, 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 were, they were getting upset, and it was keeping them from experiencing the presence of God literally walking into their city. Luke nineteen forty, they they get, they get so upset. It's, they're like, Jesus, stop. Tell your followers to stop worshiping. Stop. And then Jesus looks at them and he says, I tell you, if they stop, even the stones will cry out. And our whole conversation last week was, I don't want to be outdid by a stone. <laughs> I don't want a rock to give off more praise than Mike. If I, it does, I, I failed my job. But the whole conversation last week was their tradition, their arrogance, their ways kept them from experiencing Christ. What's keeping you from experiencing Christ? My prayer was hopefully, as a church, you were able to get rid of that distraction this past week during Holy Week, this time of celebration. Maybe, hopefully, you did some of those devotions, even if you didn't do all of them. Maybe if you just did a couple, those devotions with your family, and you just took some time to talk about Jesus with those closest to you. Really quickly, I'm going to kind of recap what happened this past week as we kind of lead up into what happened today. You know, Jesus he came into town on Jeru- into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Then Monday it's the day where we recognize when Jesus cleansed the temple. He went in and they were making uh, they were making money and they were they were des- des- desecrating deser- the, the, the the temple and they were upset and he's flipping the tables. And you read about this in your devotions. And the whole point was to ask you, where do you take your stand when there's injustice happening around you? When do you stand up to protect what God has ordained as holy? Tuesday, we talked um, all about how whenever you decide to follow Jesus, life is difficult. Life does not get easier after a baptism. It actually gets a little more complicated. But there's grace and there's peace found in that, and hopefully you read through that with your family. Wednesday, also known as Spy Wednesday, you know, a lot of times people talk about this is when Judas was sneaking around, and he was able to sell off the location of Jesus for the silver and all that stuff. If you read your devotion, it didn't really go in that direction, but it talked a little, bit, a little bit more about whenever uh, Jesus is being interrogated um, by, by Pontius Pilate, and he's, he's asking him, and he's saying, why are you doing all this? Why are you doing this? And Jesus tells him, the kingdom is here. Thursday, Maundy Thursday, it's a day where we recognize the last supper, the meal, whenever Jesus sat down with his disciples, and he had one last meal with him, and he said, every time you get together, break this bread, and remember what I'm about to do for you. It's the reason we take communion every week here, so we don't forget about Jesus, because there's so many places where they've forgotten about Jesus. And then we get to Friday. It's an interesting day, because it's called Good Friday. And good did happen, but it's hard to see that whenever we look. I'm going to show you some pictures in a little bit, and I'm just going to give you a warning. Some of them may make you quease. Jesus was arrested the day before on Thursday. He's been interrogated. He's been accused of blasphemy. He's been accused of trying to rebel against the Roman Empire. He's been, he's been accused of causing dissension in, in the Jewish church, and the Jewish synagogue. And now he's been sentenced to death. And he wasn't just a normal death, as we know about. We all, a lot of times we don't even talk about the days leading up or the time leading up until before he was crucified. When he was mocked and spit on and abused and beaten. I got a few pictures. He was beaten with a thing called a cat of nine tails. It's a whip that had nine different lashes on it, and each one had pieces of stone or glass weaved into it. And the soldiers, when they whoosh, it didn't just flip off. That stone grabbed onto his flesh and go to the next picture. And they'd rip it off exposing organs and blood and just pain. They took a crown that we, for some reason, just think is so pretty. They took a crown of thorns, not flowers, and they pressed it down his head to mock him for being the king of the Jews, blood going everywhere. He was beaten so bad, a lot of times we don't talk about this, it says this in Isaiah when it's prophesying this event, he was beaten so bad that he was not recognizable. Isaiah 52, but you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness, so that he will sprinkle Many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him, for they were not told that they will see, and what they had not heard, they will understand. He's beaten, tortured. Let's just use that word. They take him up to the wooden cross, and you know they had to make that journey there. And they take these giant stakes, big nails, and they pierce through his hands. If you want to get a little bit more historically accurate, and most likely it probably went through his wrists, because if the hand is keeps them on the cross we could have that debate and we're not going to today and he's up there people when they're crucified they usually die either of blood loss or asphyxiation whenever it gets so hard to breathe there's no oxygen in the blood and it eventually causes you to pass out your lungs stop working and you die mike why are you talking about this because i don't want jesus's death to become just a cartoon story because, you know, Scripture tells us that for the wages of sin are death. And our sin that we commit every single day, the sin that you commit when you were thinking of as you took communion, he died so that sin can be forgiven. And it was a rough day. Mark fifteen twenty four, And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews... They crucified him, or they crucified two rebels with him, on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from that cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults unto him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land. Three in the afternoon, and at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice Elohim, Elohim, Lemai Sabachnia, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those standing near heard this and they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah someone ran they filled a sponge of wine vinegar they put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink now leave him alone let's see if Elijah comes and takes him down he said with a loud cry Jesus breathed his last breath and at this moment the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus and then he said he said surely this man was the son of god You know, we call Friday Good Friday, but if I was there, I probably wouldn't have called it good. It's a day of horror, of torment. If we really got an accurate depiction of what happened, we probably wouldn't let our kids watch it, would we? (laughs) It's horror, terrible stuff. And I want you to take a moment. And I really want to focus today, not on Friday, and don't get mad at me. I don't really want to focus on Sunday that much. I want to talk about Saturday. I want you to imagine you are now in the shoes, you are now in the place of these disciples, the followers of Jesus. They just watched their, fo- their, their, their leader, their Lord, the guy they've dedicated their life to, they just watched him die a horrific death. And they're hiding, they're worried. It's actually interesting, if you open up your Bible, there's not a whole lot that talks about what happens on Saturday. Just you know they tend to the tomb, that's about it. Imagine being in their place... I, I mean, they're heroes of the faith, but I, I'm sure some of them were a little worried. Is this it? <laughs> we, is that what's going to happen today? Uh, they, they just destroyed our leader. <laughs> Are they going to come and do that to me? Which a lot of them, they do eventually. This fear and this anxiety and, and this experience of loss, and they're probably just like, what is going on? Easter's not happened yet. What if he doesn't come back? What if the prophecy's wrong? We, we just lost our main man. I want you to think about in your life right now, I know probably many of us, we haven't experienced this exact type of scenario. But there's people in the room who have recently have experienced loss. You've experienced pain. You've experienced doubts, fear, anxiety, fear from the unknown. And then what do you do? That's what the disciples were probably experiencing this time. We go through this season of pain, and it's so easy for us to forget that God's actually alive and he's actually working. Let us not forget that just because we don't see God daily does not mean he's not moving. There's a big debate on, you know, what Jesus Jesus was doing during the time after he was crucified and when he resurrected. And we're not going to get too deep into that debate. But I think it would be foolish for us to assume that he was not doing something. That he was not alive, maybe not on earth that he was not active in some way. John 5, 17, in his defense, Jesus said to him, my father is always at work. My father is always at work to this very day, and I, too, am working. If you are feeling lost today, stress, anxiousness, whatever it is, financial problems, health problems, spiritual problems, relationship problems, please know that just because you can't see God today, it doesn't mean he's not working. I don't know what it would have been like to have been alive on that Saturday. My, my faith would have been tested, probably. Let's be honest. All of our faith gets tested at times, but we know that's not the end. Fast forward a little bit more. John chapter twenty. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over, looked into the tomb, and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, "Woman, why are you crying?" They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him. I will get him. Jesus said to her, she turned toward him and cried out, "Rabbi," which means teacher, he's alive. The days of pain, the days of anxiousness, the days of loss have now come to an end. The king is alive. That's the day we get to celebrate today. That's what Easter is all about. It's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. It's what today is about. The fact that one day this pain will end, this pain will end, and just like Jesus, one day we will have a resurrection coming. You know, what's really exciting is when we look at Jesus, he didn't just come to die. He didn't just come to live again. He came to show us that one day we will die and one day we can live again. But some of us are too concerned about the life down the road. And what I mean when I say that is I think Jesus is calling us today to start living today. Some of us need to be resurrected today. Yes, there will be a resurrection in the end, but some of us feel like we need to be resurrected today because all we've done is experience loss and pain and suffering. And that's what he's calling us to do. Look with me, 1 Corinthians. We're going to kind of fast forward a little bit into the New Testament. Chapter 15, it's talking about Christ. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. That is such a powerful verse. But each in turn Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom of God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. I'm going to read that again. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. It's now been defeated. For he has put everything under his feet. And when it says that everything is put under him, it's clear that he is saying, I've defeated all there is to defeat. You know, this passage is talking about the first fruits. It's talking a little bit about the Palestinian harvest of, you know, the first fruits are so precious, they're so powerful during the first time of the harvest. You know, if, you do, if you're a gardener, I'm not a gardener. I, I don't even know, like, seeds. They just confuse me. I don't, I'm not. But you know, like the, isn't that first fruit so good? Those first vegetables? You do all that work, all that labor, and you go and get it, and it's just like, oh, it, It's a good feeling, isn't it? So I get to enjoy it because my family does it, but Mike <laughs> doesn't do it. But those first fruits are so sweet. They're so perfect. And Jesus says that this is the first fruit. You get to experience the sweetness. I, uh, I kind of went down this rabbit hole of thinking the other day about why Jesus was on earth. You know, there, there's multiple reasons why. And, but he came to show us how to live, Correct. Yes, he came to die, he came to be risen again, he came to fulfill, he did all these great things. But Jesus gave us an example of on how to live our lives. Our goal is to be more Christ-like. In other words, our goal is to live more like Christ. In other words, our goal is to live like the way Jesus lived. He does it all the time. If you look at any of the Gospels, every time he's teaching, every time he's talking, he's trying to say, hey, do this, hey, do this. The disciples are like, hey, hey, Lord, we need some food. You want to make some food? He looks at them and like, hey, why don't you make it? Hey, hey, come out on the water. Hey, why don't you raise him from the dead? I wonder how often God looks at us as, says, why are you asking me to do these things? You need to do some of it. I think he, he, and he just gives us the example of how to live. But look at the end of his life. What does he do? He's resurrected. We've been called to live like Jesus, which means we've been called to rise like Jesus. And I'm not just talking about the final resurrection. I'm talking about the resurrection of today. Some of us are still dead to sin. And we've been called to rise. That's the beauty of Easter church. It's not just about the end. It's not just an eschatology conversation. It's a conversation of today. We've been called to rise. I'm going to read you this quote. And I'm going to show you something pretty cool. It's a quote by N.C. By N. Wright, you know, Christian author. And he says this about the resurrection. Of course, in our incomplete world, God's gentle offer and demand press upon us as fearful things, almost threatening. But God's offer and demand are, nearly, are, ne- are neither fearful nor threatening. God in his gentle love longs to set us free from the prison we have stumbled into, the loveless prison that we refuse both the offer and the demand of forgiveness. We are like frightened bird before him. We shrink away, lest his demand crushes us completely. But when we eventually yield, he corners us and finally takes us in his hand, and we find to our astonishment that he is infinitely gentle and that his only aim is to release us from the prison that we put ourselves in, to set us to be free, to be the people he's made us to be. But when we fly into the sunshine, how can we not then offer the same gentle gift of freedom, forgiveness to all those around us? That is the truth of the resurrection. Turned into prayer, turned into forgiveness, the remission of debts, turned into love. It is constantly surprising, constantly full of hope, constantly coming to us from God's future to shape us into the people through whom you can carry out his work into the world. That was a great chapter. I'm going to sum that up. He's saying that Christ didn't just die so we can be resurrected then. He died so we can be resurrected now. Is there anyone here today who you're going through that season of this loss, of confusion and fear? And you don't know, you can't see God. It's like every time you, you just try so hard, you pray, and you, you just can't see him. I promise you it's not because he's not working. He's still there amazing things happen whenever we look at the destruction our own lives have caused and we decide to do something different i want to show you this video of one of our uh, someone who's been going to church here for a while about what happened to them when they decided to turn away from their destruction check this out
1: my name is russell uh, i'm a drug addict I've been clean since 2009. My choice of drug was crack cocaine, and I had a $1,000 week habit. I dropped my weight so much I was down to 135 pounds, and I can actually raise my hand up and look straight through it. My skin was orangey color. I was homeless from, I must say from 2005 all the way up to 2013 my life before that was disarray I mean I didn't care about myself I figured nobody ever cared about me I was always depressed an awful lot and I figured my life was worthless because at that point in time I didn't believe in God I didn't go to church and I definitely didn't read the Bible I filled the void, you know, and it made me feel good to begin with. And then as time went by, I started feeling much worse. The reason why I got off the drug was when I was walking down on the strip in Las Vegas, Nevada, I went past all kinds of people. But one little person really touched my heart when she asked her mommy, is that how people look when they got AIDS? I was more like the walking dead. I was nothing but skin and bones. At that point in time I decided to get off the drugs. I moved to a town called Victorville, California, and slept underneath a bridge for a full year. During that year is when I was able to start reading the Bible, start going to church and finding God. The way I made money was I went out and collected aluminum cans. I didn't really bake too much. I did at first, but I was uncomfortable with that. So I figured I'd just collect aluminum cans. People started noticing what I was doing. They helped me out with a tent, sleeping bag, a barbecue, an ice chest. Some people even brought me food to help me out from time to time. I continued going to church and reading my Bible. During that time, I was getting these real bad visions of nothing but destruction, fire, torn up buildings, charred land, and off in the distance was a little white light. Well, the more I went to church and the more I read my Bible, the closer I got to that light, until one day I actually made it to that light. Now, I don't know if it was Jesus or an angel or just a spirit, but they asked me one simple question. Do I want to go back to my old life or do I want a new? And I said, well, I want a new life. And they said, turn around and look at all that destruction. That destruction is what you did to yourself and to other people when you were doing drugs, you destroyed yourself and destroyed them. Now look ahead of you and you have a bright light which means your life will get better and i believed that wholeheartedly and i kept going to church and kept reading my bible now at this time in my life i am 61 years old and i got severe back problems i believe due to these back problems was because the usage of my drugs and i'm the only one to blame for that but it took God to give me those I was baptized. It was actually in a swimming pool where I was baptized at. And when I... I became baptized, I told my pastor that be done?
0: Sorry about that. It was working before the service. I kind of summarize a little bit about what that was a story. Whenever Russell went to his pastor to be baptized, he said, I want you to baptize me three times. I want you to dunk me three times. He's like, why? That's not in scripture. He's like, I don't know. I just feel like that's what Jesus told me I needed to do. He says he went down the first time, and he came up, and he felt like he was choking. He couldn't breathe. He went down the second time, he came up, and then he started coughing. See, so it was so violent, he felt like something was trying to come out of him, and he just couldn't, couldn't breathe. He came up the third time, and he felt like a completely new person. He felt like he was now in the presence of Jesus. If He kept going in that video. He talks a little bit more about how he felt about himself before he got clean, and the word he described was disgusting. But now he feels like someone who's clean, and he's, wanting to, he's welcome, if anyone has any issues with that, to go find him. He'll help tell you about how undisgusting you are, about how beautiful you actually are. We'll try to have that fixed. it will be up on YouTube if we can get that fixed to work. Church, is there anyone here today who's, when you look in front of you, when you look behind you, is anyone who's been caused a lot of destruction? Is there anyone who just feels like you're just lost, you're tired, you're, being, you're stuck, and you just you don't know because you can't see Jesus? I promise you, even though you can't see him, he's alive. Father, thank you so much for your love. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for coming back. Thank you. God, we just want to say that today, if there's someone here who feels maybe like what your first followers did on Saturday, lost, unsure, doubtful. God, if there's someone here today who has those emotions, God, I pray right now that you just latch on to them and let them feel your love so they can know their worth. And their worth is so much more than they give themselves credit for. God, we thank you so much. God, we love you, and we say this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Is there anyone here today who needs a resurrection? Is there anyone here today who just feels like you're just so lost, you're so dirty, you're so upset, you're so anxious, you're so just... uh, and your doubts been creeping in, creeping in, and you just feel like you need to restart. If that's you here today, why don't you come forward as we sing in a no second, and you need to rededicate your life to be risen, to act new, act like a new creation. Stop acting like someone who's old, because you're not. Or if there's anyone here today who does, has not given their life over to Christ, and you're sick and tired of living a life of nothing where what you're doing is cause, except for causing destruction, and you want to start something new, I would encourage you to come. Or, hey, if you just need a hug, you need a prayer because you just feel lost right now, we can do that too. If you need anything, as we stand, and if you need to talk, why don't you come?